Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Beaubrun. That would be me. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to thank you for listening and, and becoming involved in this uh, ongoing conversation. If you are a long-time listener or a regular listener, thank you for tuning in once again and allowing me to bend your ears one more time. For today is our 38th episode, and this is Season 3, Episode 13. Not entirely sure what I'm going to title it yet. If you guys are new listeners, if you're any new listeners out there, um, I title my episodes while in the middle of the conversation in the, in the intro, which takes about a couple of minutes. And then from that intro... It's a f sort of like a free-flowing conversation based on the intro. I try to bring a lot of things together based on that intro. I'm still working. It has to do with September because there are a lot of things that went on in September, but I don't have a working title yet. In any case, we'll get back to that. I'd like to, you guys to, first and foremost, uh, take a look at onelavi.com, which is the website and the, uh, the hub and the marketplace for where I get my supplements, my vitamins, you know, as we, most of us that are listening are um, adherents to the Western diet, which is a very nice, neat word for American diet, because it's not necessarily Western diet, right? Because let's think about it for a moment. Not everyone from Alaska to Argentina is eating the same food. It's not some sort of monocultural cuisine, right? So when we call it the Western diet, what does that even mean? Because when we say Western world, we mean pretty much Anglo-America and Anglo-Europe. But if you go to Europe, they don't eat this food either. So when we say Western diet, we really mean American diet. You know, I'm from the Caribbean, or at least my family is. And I've eaten Caribbean food my whole life, South American food my whole life. And guess what? It's vastly different. Stark. It's in stark contrast to what we eat here. What we eat here is highly processed. And it's not nutrient-dense. As a matter of fact, it's devoid of nutrients oftentimes. And so that's why it's important for us to fortify. OneLaVie.com for your vitamin needs. Does that sound like a shameless plug? It's not because I've used that site and I'm the one who approached them for them to come on this show and, you know, be a part of this, et cetera, et cetera. In any case, OneLaVie.com, that's where I get my vitamins. Check it out. Do your own research if you so choose, but I recommend them. That's it, for what it's worth. I'm not a doctor, okay? Just saying. I use it. I like it. That's it. Also, check out ChavezHouse.com. That's for your books. That's for your journals. That's for your fitness journals. That's for your dance journals. That's for your uh, uh, manifesting things that you want to bring into your life journals. That's for the Essential Self-Success Publishing Blueprint that I'm using to write my first book, which should be out in 2022. What's it about, you may ask? I will let you know when I'm on my last chapter. That's when I'll let people know what it's about, you know, because it's, it's a process that is very, very difficult. That essential self-publishing success blueprint helps out enormously in getting it done. Okay, I've been told by a couple of people that tune into my show, they say June, you forget that you're doing a show. That's why you all you oftentimes forget to tell people to rate and subscribe and like your podcast. And I go, oh yeah, I'm so, I'm so ready to get into the conversation 
and see where it what where it takes us that I forget. And they're right. So I'm telling you guys, oh, I'm asking, please, if you're on Apple, if you're listening to me in this show and our conversation on Apple podcasts or iTunes or whatever, please rate it, like it, subscribe to it, follow it, share it. You know, the more you do that, the more people can stumble upon this show. That way, it'll just just come to them because I'm doing an episode every Monday morning. I'm hoping <laughs> Monday morning, 5 a.m. It should be available and Thursday mornings, 5 a.m. It should be available just in time for morning walks, coffee, talks, whatever you're doing. Um, morning commutes should be there ready to download, ready to go. So please like it, subscribe, share, do all of that stuff. Also, follow us on, on Instagram. Whose world is this 2021? That's whose world is this 2021? My cash app is the dollar sign and J-U-N-B-E-A-U. That's for cash app as well as Venmo. That's dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U. Dollar sign June Bow. I'm putting that up there because um, for a multitude of reasons. One, it would be nice to get some coin for this show. This is sort of a passion project, but also um, there are a lot of things going on around the world, uh, in particularly for my my family there. You know, if you guys don't know, I'm first generation Haitian American born and raised in New York City. Both of my parents were born and raised in Haiti until they migrated to the United States. Haiti has had a rough go of it. Yeah. Some would say what else is new, and you'd be right if you asked that rhetorical question. But anyway, uh, between earthquakes, between presidential assassinations, <laughs> between the 10,000 Haitians that are now on at the Texas border that are about to be detained, put on a plane, and sent right back to Port-au-Prince, there's a lot going on. So if whatever you guys donate, if you'd like to put in the notation, because I know when you when people uh, send money, you can put in a notation what it's for. What is this money for? You can say rent, payback, whatever you can put uh, Haiti. You can put the show. You can put five dollars for a show, ten dollars for this. Fifty percent goes. To, you can put all of that in. It'll go to where you say it's going to go. Um, I feel for the people that are uh, suffering in and off of the island of IET, which is uh, which is Arawakly known. The original inhabitants of the, the island of IET are the Arawak Indians, and they called it A-Y-I-T-I, which means mountainous land. Some people know it as Española. That's its colonial name. Haiti and IET are its righteous indigenous name. In any case, uh, yeah, that's... um. You know, I was just looking at the news and many of you know that we don't do that a lot on this show. We don't do current events. I, 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 I find it to be fruit, low hanging fruit just to pick things out of the media or current events and just, you know, spin them in a, some sort of political way. Um, so I don't do that often. Uh, but it, this hits sort of close to home. I'm just I just want to say that um, I feel for those people. I don't. This is not going to be a referendum on illegal immigration or legal immigration or, or Biden or Kamala's policies or lack thereof or what are people going to say now? Are there any hashtags for Haiti? <clears throat> not particularly. Haiti has been America's anus for as long as I've been alive and it will remain to be it will 
remains so. And I don't expect anything to change. I don't take it personally at this point. You know what I mean? Um, but um, so it's not going to be a referendum on that. And I won't turn it into that. I won't politicize it. I will say that people are hurting and there are resilient people. There are proud people. They're good people and they're my people. And um, if you feel so inclined, please feel free. Donate some to the show. Donate some to them. Donate all to them. Doesn't matter. But um, yeah, moving on. What are we going to talk about today? This is what our, our 38th episode. It's our 38th episode today. I might do something nice for my 50th episode. I don't know. Well, my birthday is in November. Will I be on my 50th episode by November? No, I'd have to do a lot of episodes because I only do two a week. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe before the end of the year. It'd be nice to get to 100 episodes soon. What's that feel like? You know, ooh, I did my 100th. It's almost like a sitcom or something, right? But anyway, what are we going to talk about today? It's September. September is such an interesting month. You know, I didn't do a show or any shows last week. I'm disappointed in myself for that, but there was some things going on. We shall speak about it. But um, last week was September 11th. I was in New York during September 11th. You know, I was supposed I was driving into Manhattan, going directly downtown, because I had a school I was attending that was a block away from the World Trade Center, and I had to go to the World Trade to get to the school. That's how you get to this particular. School school is that direction so i get derailed because the dude on the news on the radio show that i was listening to said yo they hit the buildings they hit the world trade center everybody and i'm thinking to myself yo that's not funny and as if he was responding to me he goes yeah i'm not i'm not cracking a joke right now it's, it's true i literally get off the highway go home turn on new york one and that's when i see it uh my condolences to everyone who's lost someone colleague coworker, anything a loved one because I did. Uh, I did. Because I worked there. But we'll talk about that another time. But um, in, in keeping with that, because it's September, and last week was September 11th, there was also Yom Kippur. If anyone doesn't know what Yom Kippur is, that's a, a Jewish holiday. And the Jews use Yom Kippur as an, as an opportunity to atone for their sins of the year prior so they can be put in the book of life i think there's a i have a lot of jewish friends back in new york city one thing i as an aside we'll get to my aside but there's a saying i think it's gamar or jamar hatimatofa which means may you be sealed in the book of life and the book of life is like pretty much the book i think it's the heavenly book i'm not entirely sure because i used to be well versed in in, in 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 jewish religion because after i went to catholic school for about most of my adolescence, I was kind of looking around and sort of a la carding all the different religions and sampling them. And because I'm in New York City and ev almost every single religion on earth is represented in New York City, it wasn't very difficult to find literature or an, ad or an adherent that I could speak to directly about it. Being that I was in Queens, which is considered the most diverse city on earth, I made, let me just say that I made I, I'm not going to say I took full advantage of being a New Yorker, but I took more advantage of being a New Yorker than many New Yorkers. We call it a melting pot, New York City, but oftentimes the pots are on separate stove grills, so we don't end up in the same pot, creating a new stew where we're all just creating something different and new, a different kind of flavor. So what ends up happening is you have, you know, the Hasidic, 
community. You have Little Jerusalem. You have Little This. You have Spanish Harlem. You have this area, Black Harlem. You have this. You have that. You have Little India, Little This, Little Mumbai. But yet, no one's coming and bringing it all together. I made it, for whatever reason, I made it my um, one of my little missions to meet people. If I had a question about a religious uh, a religious sect or religious philosophy or an ideology, I went and spoke to the adherents. This is pre-YouTube. This is pre-Google. So I found somebody who was an adherent to it. So Muslim friends, I knew people from Yemen. I knew people from Afghanistan. I knew people from, from uh, uh, North Africa and people who were studying Yoruba religions. I found Nigerians, Jewish people. I found Jews. I found secular Jews who were just scholars. I found people who were adherents. The only people who didn't really speak to me were Hasidics. There's an insular community where they pretty much stick to their own. That was fine with me. I didn't care. Didn't take offense to it. But that was me. And I learned a lot about atoning. And I would and I would sometimes partake. My Muslim friends, they celebrated Ramadan in the early spring, I think April and May. And, and there were days where I would just say, hey, so what are you guys doing around this time of year? And they were more than happy to educate me and illuminate me in, the, in their practices. And I appreciate them. And I appreciate that about my particular New York experience because that wasn't for everybody. A lot of my friends was like, yo, June, are you a Muslim now? I'm like, no, I'm just listening to what people are saying. Are you, are you a Jewish now? I'm like, nah. So some of my friends would, would, would didn't understand but why I was still curious, but I was still maintaining uh, a childlike curiosity about the world around me. I knew the world was bigger than what I was being told from one side or another side, even at an early age. Hence the title of our show is Whose World Is This? But, that, but in any case, I think about that. I think about atoning, reflecting, because I think about September 11th. I think about all the things that happened. I think about the tensions that were going on in my city. And then, you know, a month later, October of, of, of 2011, uh, the United States military enters into Kabul, Afghanistan. And now 20 years later, we're hearing that, oh, no, the Taliban have Afghanistan now. Man, we lack for progress. What happened? I mean, 20 years ago, it was Al-Qaeda. Now it's Taliban. And we're going, hey, so I say to myself, what have we learned? <laughs> hmm? And that's what brings that Yom Kippur into it. It's like, is there a time for reflection, repenting, atonement? What are we learning? Is there any lessons to be gleaned from the things going on, maybe? Are we just going to be a human race that has little pockets of peace surrounded by chaos and conflict? Or is it a bunch of peace with little pieces of conflict going on? I don't know. I don't know. I think about that as right now, my mind is flooded with visions of Haitian people that left Haiti, took a rickety boat to South America just to travel to another foreign land where it's not very hospitable to you because you're not supposed to be there. You're illegally entering into South America. Now you have to travel through the jungle. You have to travel through the city. You have to travel through all the marginal areas where you're not going to be noticed. Where you think you're, where you're going to be noticed the least and travel through almost a dozen countries before you get to Mexico. Just to be detained, put on a plane, turn around and go right back to Haiti.
and you've spent money, you've risked your life, you might have lost some friends, there's been multiple traumas, there are going to be beatings, rapes, abuses all along the way, and now you're going back. Now you're going back. And then I think about the things that are going on in Afghanistan right now. I think I spoke about uh, briefly my last episode about the 13 soldiers that were killed. And then I spoke about Labor Day, the 13 workers that were killed during the Labor Day strikes, the Pullman strike. And so I think about these things. I'm going to have to quiet some of the noise that's going on in my mind because there's a lot going on. Obviously, if someone such as myself who can drone on for an hour or so without pauses lets you know how much is actually going on inside of between my ears most days. Yeah, so with that being said, I'd like to take a moment and reflect. I'm going to take a moment and think about what I want this next year to look like. And I, I think I, I we had this conversation before, you and I, um, in previous episodes, when I think it was called Halftime. We're speaking about where we wanted to go at the halfway point of 2021. Um, and... Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine today and I said I was going to start implementing some meditative practices that I that I've since neglected over the last I want to say year or so and I'm going to implement them again because I have been susceptible to the noise that's going on in the world it affects me I'm a part of this world right and we're going through things as a collective right now that we've never gone through before collectively see when I what I was going through in New York with September 11th it affected some people differently than others, but all of us were affected somehow, some way. All of us. Some of us worked in Manhattan. Someone, someone knew someone who was in Manhattan or worked downtown. Every single last New Yorker in the boroughs knew someone who worked downtown. Period. That's it. It's just that simple. That's how many people downtown Manhattan employs. It's the home of Wall Street. Okay. A lot of money, a lot of things going on, schools downtown, a lot of things. So we all know somebody who worked downtown or we worked downtown. And then someone knew somebody who, who, who lost a loved one or was injured. Or So that was just New Yorkers. American, America felt it because it happened on our shores. But New Yorkers really felt it. It was ground zero. But what's going on collectively with shutdowns to jab or not to jab and all the things going on, there is no ground zero for it. Everywhere is ground zero. The last time I felt anything like this in New York, September 11th, I was as calm and as cool as I am speaking to you now. When I realized what was going on, I felt that New York City was under attack. I got on the phone. I started calling most of my friends or classmates and people that I knew that were in New York City at the time or in Manhattan. And I calmly, if I could get through to them, because a lot of phones were busy, I would call and go, hey, what are you doing? They're like, yo, June, what's going on? I'm like, hey, listen, uh, don't talk. Just listen. Do not take an elevator. Take the stairs. Go down the stairs. Where do you, where you work? They say, I'm working in Midtown. Okay, Midtown, are you close to the 59th Street Bridge? Yes, yeah, like 10 blocks away. Well, go over the bridge. 
run over the bridge. Do not go into the subway. Subways will be, you, you don't want to get trapped underground. So run over the bridge. If you know any, and uh, walk, run, run over the bridge. And if you can, call your family, tell them you're okay, and tell them your plans. Then after that, just run. They're like, oh my God, June. I'm like, no, don't oh my God anything. Just do as I say. And then I would do that several dozen times. And I would, if you worked downtown, that means you were, you were near the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm like, okay, you're by the Brooklyn Bridge. Run as fast as you can over the Brooklyn Bridge. Do not get on a train. Do not go underground. Do not get into a cab. Don't get into a car. Do not get into an elevator. Take the stairs, go down, and run as fast as you can. If you have heels on, if it was a woman, I would say if you have heels on, take your heels off and run. Take your shoes off and run. If it was a dude, I'm like, you have hard bottoms on, take off your hard bottoms. Run. Don't walk. Tell everybody to do the same. Just go. That was me, September 11th, guys, 20, 2001. Okay? That same kind of calm is the calm that's going to be necessary now for all the things that are going on. I was able to quiet the noise. Why was I able to quiet the noise, you may ask? Why was June so calm? Because everything that I was reading, all the books that I was reading in the late 90s and things like that, were telling me that if things were going to occur and if any attacks were going to occur, they were going to occur New York or California. The movies that I watched, all of them predetermined New York or California, right? So I grew up my whole life being programmed into believing that New York City or, or Southern California would be under attack in my lifetime. That's what I grew up with. Even King Kong climbed the Empire State Building. So for me, all the things that was, I was sort of indoctrinated in, it, it, everything it created a calm. And I would tell people, they want Manhattan. Get out of Manhattan. That's all I kept saying. They want whatever is going on, it's going to happen in Manhattan. So you have to get out of Manhattan. And here I am in Queens. I'm thinking, okay, if I go to Long Island, I'm, a, I'm right there on Long Island. I could take the South Shore, uh, maybe a boat down to Maryland, and then rent a car and take the 95. And this is all I'm thinking about is maybe just getting out of the East Coast altogether. This is my mindset. I'm calling my family that's in Long Island. Um, I have friend, I have family members that live by the marina in Oyster Bay. I'm going, hey, listen, uh, what's up? We may need a boat. And they're like, June, do you think it's that bad? I'm like, well, we may need a boat. Let's not ask crazy questions. We may need a boat. <laughs> I'm literally sending one of my cousins to look to see if we could charter a boat to get from Long Island down the coast, the east coast, down to maybe Maryland or something, and then get a rent-a-car from Hertz and take it all the way to Florida or somewhere away from anything that's going on in the east, east coast. And that's the level of calm and thinking and intuition that I need or that many of us are going to need to get through what's going on. The difference is that particular situation lasted a day or two or three. That whole week I was on standby, that whole month. And then all of a sudden it was elevated alerts and all of a sudden you're watching your news and it's telling me through this sort of skittle color scheme whether 
it was okay for me to go to the store and get a bag of potato chips and not was bordering on the absurd and the obscene but that's what it was <clears throat> but anyway <clears throat> the difference between now and then is it's not much difference because there's an unpredictability that is that was the state of our normal being in manhattan and seeing a tank roll down lexington avenue i just would nod my head and go oh okay <clears throat> that's going to be my life now i see huh okay So the things that are going on with us right now, we have to reflect on it. We have to reflect on the things that are going on. You know, what did a Shakespeare say that the past is prologue? I don't know if I said that already. Yeah, which means that um, the things that have happened in the past are going to set the stage for what's going to occur in the future. So the past is our prologue, right? And oftentimes, the things that got us involved into those past transgressions, we can't use those same muscles to get out of those transgressions. We can't use the same muscles that got us into things to get us out of things. It's going to take a different mindset, skill set. We're going to have to use different muscles. That's where we are right now. That's where I am right now in this September. I'm not entirely sure what we're going to call it. Maybe we'll call it O September. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. We'll figure it out. Maybe it'll be a surprise. And then when it's, you know, whatever, when it's done, I'll figure it out. But that's that's what's in, that's what I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about uh, also how crazy it was that about 10 years after that, 2011, after September 11th, I'm studying in Rome. January and guess what Arab Spring I want to go to Africa I'm broke as a joke I'm studying in Italy I got there on academic scholarship to study at St. John's Rome campus I'm I'm taking 18 credits I have international this this that and the third economics theology blah 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 I'm taking every course and I'm working my behind off and the Arab Spring occurs Mubarak they want him out of Egypt they want Ben Ali out of Tunisia it's on fire and I'm trying to get to Egypt I'm like, dude, I'm I'm already over here. Whatever little penny. And then I got this little friend of mine. She's really cute. Whatever, whatever. She's in Egypt. She's like, hey, come with. I'm like, oh, man, I got to get to Egypt. Arab Spring breaks out. I Skype her. She's like, I'm still here. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I'm good where I'm at. I'm like, all right, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to Africa. Because I'm thinking to myself, it's the news is telling me all this. It's almost like living in South Florida as long as I did. The hurricane update sounded so much so dire for people that weren't from Florida. So my New York family and everyone would go when I moved out of New York to Florida. Like, hey, June, are you OK? The news is saying there's a big storm coming. And I said, it's a tropical storm. It's no big deal because I spent so many years dealing with hurricanes, category ones, twos, threes. I could almost tell by the direction if it was going to hit me or not, where, where I, wherever I was. And so for me being in it. I knew how to gauge it. So once my friend, she told me that it was okay, that, 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 that she's safe. I'm like, I'm just going to go to you. I try to get a ticket to go to Egypt. The state department, United States goes, eh -eh. no Americans in North Africa right now. Sorry, too volatile. I try to convince them that I'm a student. I'm going there for academic reasons. They're like, yeah, sorry, no go. I'm like, man, miss my shot. In any case, that's occurring in the world the youth are uprising 
Ben Ali has been in power for 23 years. Mubarak's been in power for, I think, 30 years. Now they're being, they're resigning and they're leaving. I think Ben Ali went to Saudi Arabia, resigned. Mubarak, I don't remember where he went. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Usually Arab leaders just stay as long as they want. And anyway, then later on that year, coincidentally, in September, guess what happens, y'all? September, October, Occupy Wall Street happens in New York. I'm finished with my Rome semester, end up back in South Florida for the summer, back in New York City for my fall 2011 semester, and now we have the Occupy movement. Ten years after September 11th, we have a bunch of people in New York occupying a park. Whoa. Not lost on me. I go to see if this is going to be some sort of movement. Is this America's version of the Arab Spring? Where the youth are protesting wage inequality and, 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 and calling it the 99% versus the one. And I'm going, whoa. I got to see if this is the youth movement of my generation. I got to see if this is real. So I go. I go to Zuccotti Park. I go downtown. I see what's going on. I was thoroughly unimpressed, but that's another story for another day. But in any case, I'm thinking about all these things. We'll talk about that another time. Some people are going to go, wow, June. Yeah, did you just poo-poo all over the Occupy movement? Not all over it, but over a significant portion of it. It's a lot more nuanced than calling something 99 versus one. And, and where are they, by the way? You know, and, and, and you know, a lot of people who are who, who believe in, you know, Democratic Party politics. It was the Democrats who squashed that movement, by the way, all that. But that progressive politics kind of gave way to a Bernie Sanders and what Andrew Yang is speaking. And, 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 and with Bernie, I agree with some of the things that he says, and I appreciate that conversation as to what are we doing to the American worker, which I stand for, stand by, you know, uh, as, as much of a businessman as I am, I stand with the workers as well. But, um, you know, uh, the Occupy movement in and of itself brought up a conversation, which I feel is still an important conversation, which has been lost, by the way. And all of this that's going on, Remember, we're still thinking about atonement. I'm thinking this episode is going to be about atonement in September and what it's like in Yom Kippur. Because where are we right now? A lot of workers don't have a lot of say in what's going on in their lives right now. Only 10% of American workers are in a union, have the, the power to collectively bargain, arbitrate, and advocate for themselves to their boss. There's not a lot of advocacy for the employee. That's only 10%. It's one of the lowest union membership in union history in the United States in 100 years. Okay. And now, what's going on? Workers are resigning from jobs, saying, I don't want to put this thing in my body. I'm a grown-up. Can I make my own decisions? Bosses are going... No. Well, why not? And the boss is saying, because we said so. Oh, interesting. And so I say to myself, 10 years ago, in September, there was a group of people occupying a New York City park in downtown Manhattan and said, Things have to change. We have to do something about these student loans. 
we have to do something about these student, the, 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 the price of an education, which is not worth the printer, it's, I mean, the paper it's printed on when we consider the salaries that people are coming out of school and are attaining. You, if you if you file for bankruptcy, your student loan still stays there waiting for you. It's like financial herpes. You can't do anything about it. It's just there. There's no cure. Hmm? So you have trillion dollar student loan debt, trillion dollar mortgage debt, trillion dollar credit card debt, trillion dollar car loan debt. And people took to the streets, albeit they were predominantly upper middle class white kids who were able to occupy a park in New York City without for like a month and some change without the cops deciding to beat their head in. I, you know, I venture to guess that if there were black kids and a bunch of Puerto Rican kids and a bunch of black kids from Harlem who decided to speak about their trials and tribulations and occupy a whole park, I, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't go down the same way, but that's neither here nor there. But in any case, it brought up an important conversation in the month of September 2011. Ten years later, we're having conversations about what you are able to do with your body as an employee. How much sovereignty and leverage do you have in the workplace? Interesting that it sounds eerily similar to a conversation that was had ten years prior. I was there. I was having these conversations. The conversations open at WBAI, radio stations, talk show radio podcast everything was on fire the podcast scene i'm listening to all the information i'm taking it in i'm in new york city i'm watching documentaries that are being filmed on youtube in real time so i'm immersed in the conversation i'm remember i where was i eight months prior i'm in italy studying economics international studies just a, 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 a just a baby's breath away from the Arab Spring. I have Arab friends and African friends that are living in Italy that are students and we're having the conversation about economic inequality, about this, about that, and a third. And then here I am in my hometown. I'm back in school in New York City and I get to have that conversation again. My mind is saying, this isn't going away. We're gonna have a conversation in my lifetime that we haven't had before. And guess what? That's all it is right now is a conversation. A couple of changes, a couple of places. I say you're going to pay people $14 or $13 or $14 an hour and this, that, and the third. But yeah, they can afford to. Trust me. Uh, and I say to myself, that's all we have. It's Remember, we're talking about atonement. We're speaking about reflecting on past transgressions, righting wrongs if there are any wrongs and I'm looking at what's going on right now. And I say to myself all over the world, they've used September as the month to levy so many different and some may consider to be, I don't want to use colorful language here. I have to be very careful with the word that I use. But many people are considering what's going on to be an overreach by their employers and their government. So we had September 11th, 2001. Buildings were hit. Americans died. 
my hometown hit. It affected me personally. I worked there. I went to school there. I seen it. Then the job I had at the time, I was adversely affected there. I got, you, do you know how much work I had to do just to keep that job? I had to do every work. People were fired and furloughed and paused, and I had to make myself the indispensable man. I had to be the LeBron of that team. Of I had to do everything. All of a sudden, elevated alerts. Then we have Patriot Acts and secret courts and FISA courts and such, etc. And these things just came in droves. We didn't. We just let it happen. We just these things just happened. And we said to keep us safe. And we used the guise of safety to keep us safe. To keep us safe. It's courts, tapping your phones, everything. And then all of a sudden, six years after that, Barack Obama becomes president. A couple of years after him being in office, he signs the NDAA. Well, he signed that in 2010, 11, 12. I think it was 11. The National Defense Authorization Act, right, tap, giving the Pentagon, giving so many different uh, American agencies and governmental agencies overreach over the stuff that you're doing. And they said, it's to keep you safe. Got to keep you safe. Keep you safe. And then now there are papers coming out about Occupy Wall Street and how the Federal Bureau of Investigation was monitoring them, subverting and sabotaging them. Kind of sounds like J. Edgar Hoover's FBI under counterintelligence programs and things of that nature. But yeah, we're doing that to keep us safe. You know, we don't want these people disrupting things. Gonna keep you safe. And then that was 2011, and now in 2021, oh yeah, we're gonna do this and overreach. And then people are like, yeah, this is to keep you safe. <laughs> this overreach, play by the rules, stop being so selfish. It's to keep you safe. It's interesting the narratives. People can say, June, you're you're you're, you're um comparing apples to oranges. But am I? Maybe I am, and maybe you're right. You can always DM me, whose world is this 2021, my Instagram, or whose world is this 21 at gmail.com if I'm reaching. But what I do know is that I'm hearing a lot of people feel helpless as to the things that are going on in their world. And I'm saying, hmm, 2011, people did something about it. Just saying, I'm not saying anything for anyone to do anything. I'm not encouraging any sort of behavior. All I'm saying is Ben Ali was in power for 23 years. And I don't know if you know anything about Arab countries. They're sort of not cool with protesting. They don't really have a right to assemble clause in their constitutions. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. So someone gets to be in power for 23 years. Guess what that means? It pretty much could care less what you feel. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. And Mubarak was in, was, in, was in office for what? A 30-year rule? Mm. You think he cared? And they had to resign because the kids took to the street. The young people took to the street. People who said enough is enough. And finally, rulers who ruled for two, three decades had to get out of a dodge. So what I'm saying is 
this ain't that. You don't live under those conditions. Are you waiting for you to live under those conditions before you say, eh, eh, okay, this is enough. Is that what you're waiting for? Hmm? That's all I'm saying. Because the reason why I'm bringing this up is it's September. It's a significant month. Whether it's, the, whether it's France and Italy saying you do this or else, your president, your, our president Joseph Biden saying you do this or else, the company you work for telling you you do this or else, do this to your body or else. I'm just saying, whether you're for or against, September is an interesting month for you to take a moment and reflect to this do this or else. We've had conversations in September already. Many Septembers have passed and we've had conversations about what it means to be an American. What, what, who are we? Moments to reflect on our, what it means to be an American, what it means to be patriotic or unpatriotic, unpatriotic. What does it mean? We spoke a couple of episodes ago about Hannah Arendt, the German political theorist, and when she said, tyranny without a tyrant. When you hear words like corporate at work and we use words like the government, it's a tyranny without a tyrant. Just saying, is that what this is? Because I'm hearing from a lot of people, educated people, affluent people, upper middle class salaries, well over six figures, telling me, June, they're going to make me. Make you? Make you do what? They're going to make me. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, June, I got the mortgage, I got the car, I got the kids. What am I going to do? Hmm. I don't know. The past is prologue, I guess. Right? What do you guys think out there? Right? The past sets the stage for what can occur in the future. Huh? Just saying. September, interesting month. <clears throat> we should all take a moment. Think about it. On that note, I thank you guys for tuning in and we'll talk again.